It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a really amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be great. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I typically do this every single week. It has occurred to me lately that I am incredibly blessed. I've always known this. But when I start to think about this and operate from a place of gratitude, it is truly mind-blowing. When I had Jack Canfield on my show, we discussed his book, The Success Principles. One of the exercises he suggests is to write down a list of 100 successes or turning points that you've experienced. If that sounds like a big task, then break it down to various periods of your life, perhaps ages 0 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, and so on, and come up with a bunch of different successes in each age group. Now, those successes don't have to feel really huge either. For example, learning how to walk and talk is a huge win. Some people never get to experience those things. But give yourself full credit for everything you have done and been through. You are much more amazing than you give yourself credit for. Just know how incredibly blessed you really are. And with this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. My guest this week is Steve Sims. Let me tell you about him. Steve is the visionary founder of Bluefish, which is the world's first luxury concierge that delivers the highest level of personalized travel, transportation, and cutting-edge entertainment services to corporate executives, celebrities, professional athletes, and other discerning individuals interested in living life to its fullest. Just some of the amazing and extraordinary experiences that Steve and his Bluefish team have made possible for his A-list clientele include visiting the International Space Station, becoming James Bond for a weekend in Monte Carlo, singing live on stage with the rock band Journey, meeting and greeting renowned recording artists and celebrities, enjoying a walk-on role on a hit TV show, getting married in a Vatican, and so much more. He's also the author of the new book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, which is absolutely incredible. I finished reading that about 10 days ago, and I cannot speak highly enough about it. It's going to be a really great show. And before I forget, you can download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes anytime for free. Leave a review. I would really love that a lot. So here we are with my very special guest, Steve Sims. Steve, how are you today? I'm, I'm great. I'm just listening to that intro. That's a hell of an intro. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> and it's you. It's I'm going to try and live up to that now. Oh, yeah, there you go. So uh, let's start with uh, your backstory. I mean, I've read your book. You spend the first part of the book talking about your incredible background. You started nowhere near where you are now. And I love exploring this aspect of the journey because if if you can do this, anyone can do this. So tell us how you got started. Yeah, that's accurate. You know, I can go toe to toe with anyone and they'll say, oh, you're successful because you had this or that. I had nothing. Um, My family were a construction firm from just outside of London. Quite simply, at the age of 15, I left school. The following day, I was kicked out at five o'clock in the morning to start working on the building site. So I was just a construction worker and and a young lad just trying to question myself. You know, what's my life going to be? Where am I going to? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And I just, 
questioned everything. A little Irish lad just questioning absolutely everything and getting into trouble because of it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's that's incredible. Let me ask you this. Uh, what kinds of limiting beliefs did you get programmed with while you were growing up? Because like you said yourself, you came from nothing. Did you have any idea that your journey would evolve in the way that it has? Do you know, I actually feel very guilty about use, using that statement because um, I remember as a kid thinking I had absolutely zero. It wasn't until later in life that I realized I was being drilled in with incredible values, work, ethic, work ethics, and being taught to kind of be a man of your word, um, you know, open up a door for a lady and say what you say you're going to do. So I want to correct here. I didn't have nothing when I was a kid. I just didn't have money. Um, what I also didn't have was an education. Uh, my schooling was not very good. Class myself as an educated man now, but school had nothing to do with it. At the time, because of my lack of education, I also had no parameters because I didn't foresee anything. I didn't think anything was not possible because I hadn't been taught it was possible in the first stage. So I was very lucky to be so ignorant in a young stage that I could just go and try things without the fear of failure being already pre-programmed into me. I, I love that. And I'm glad that you made that distinction because sometimes the values that you learn in your situation will carry you much further than money and material things. So I appreciate that distinction a lot. You okay. ended up you ended up in Hong Kong. Tell us about that. <laughs> so a friend of mine was working in a bank and uh, they had some interns because uh, half of the bank was actually moving to Hong Kong. He invited me in because I thought, great, get off the building site. Complete polar opposite from being a bricklayer would be a stockbroker. I actually went in. I went into the wrong room, and I actually talked the lady into putting my name down. And I actually got a ticket to go to Hong Kong with the expatriate stockbrokers. It wasn't until I arrived two days later that they realized I actually had no idea what I was doing. And they just basically brought over a chump. So they oh. fired me. And um, I was now wandering around Hong Kong, no job, no idea, not knowing what to do, and started working as a doorman. And uh, that's how the whole story starts. So you move to a foreign country halfway around the world, you lose your job after two days, and now you're stuck. A lot of people would freak out and panic. What was your response to that situation like? Well, I'd already gone 10 foot further than I was yesterday. So even though it had failed, I was, all, I was already far further than I thought I'd be. So even though I'd got to Hong Kong and I had failed at stockbroking, I was now in Hong Kong. So I've never been the guy that's fallen down and gone, oh, that's terrible. I'm feeling so ashamed I fell down. I just look at it as feedback on what not to do. I've never been a kid that got embarrassed by falling over or making a mistake. And I think that was one of my secret sources. I looked at, feed I looked at failure and falling down as feedback. And so I'm now in Hong Kong. Well, that didn't work. But hey, I'm in a different country that maybe I never would have visited before. What am I going to do now? So, you know, I just I just take it like that. That's how my head works. Mm, that's great. So you took a job as a doorman. How did you parlay that into something meaningful for you? Well, this was the 90s where it was the tiger market. So there was a lot of expatriates coming over to Hong Kong and getting really good jobs and really good pay. So I started trying to entice those guys into the clubs and then eventually actually started to <clears throat> open up the club on certain nights for special themes or something, and quite simply just inviting rich people in. I had the idea, the delusional concept, that if I got to know a lot of rich people, I'd get a job. 
I really thought that's what would happen to me. So I started inviting rich people in because uh, poor people couldn't afford me. I made, made that line very clear from an early age. Um, and I started just inviting rich people into different parties. I joked by putting a password on the door as my little filter of getting cool people that were confident in themselves. I didn't want the idiot that just turned up at the door and could like, oh, let me in. And, you know, we were literally blank and go, sorry, man, there's no party for you tonight. You need to move on. And, you know, the people that would come up and quote the silly little password we would give them, we'd let them in. And the parties just got bigger and bigger. And they went from clubs to bars to penthouses to yachts. Um, they just grew. And then they drew from di different, different countries. And then people were going, oh, I want to go to Monaco. Do you know anything in Monaco? I'd be like, yeah, I know loads of things. I didn't. But I just had a knack by then of trying to work out how to find the place. And so wow. I started to get international. I remember the first time someone asked me, could I help them out in Monaco? I actually went back. It wasn't the days of Google. I actually went back, dug out a book to try and find out where the bloody hell Monaco was. Yeah. So the title of your book, and we'll talk about your book at length later on, but it's called blue fishing. Was bluefish one of your passwords? Yes. How did that come up? We used to send a fax to everyone telling them where the party would be. And then we would pick three passwords. <clears throat> Each party would be a different password. But we always had the same three. So one of them was name two of the Teletubbies. Another one was name the lion out of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And the other one was finish this sentence, one fish, two fish, red fish. So people oh. would just come up and go, blue fish. And we'd let them in. Or they'd come up and say, you know, Aslan. Luckily, people heard and remembered that bluefish and people kept on coming along going oh that bluefish company that's how bluefish actually came along i'm glad they picked that otherwise we could have been called tinky winky poe yeah exactly <laughs> was, was the bluefish thing a dr seuss reference or was that just something you came up with we just made it up you know obviously it's dr zeus it's the dr zeus line but it, we just made it up because we thought it'd be really funny for you know the head of the head of a major company like Reebok to walk up and go aslan and we'd let him into a private party. So it was that whole kind of it's, you know, it's more enjoyable to discover something yeah. than it is to be told something. So yeah. that's what we did. Yeah. We've got less than three minutes for our first break. Would you say that this whole adventure in Hong Kong was really the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey then? I wonder. And I think it probably started off in London with me just questioning what I was going to do in my life. I would say my first entrepreneurial journey was quitting Brick Lane and trying to go for a job as a stockbroker. That's where I started. Hmm. Okay. Okay. What would you say that your, your big mission is in life? Your big why? To, to sell smiles, as Brian Scrone says, I want a lot of people mm. thinking of me and smiling because they got to do something they really didn't think possible. Wow. That is, that is a really cool mission. I, I love that because the world does need to smile and laugh a whole lot more than it does. Yeah, what it does. Yeah. What do you think are some of your uh, biggest challenges getting started as a business owner? We've got a couple of minutes here. Um, getting started is to find your 5%. Find out where your hot button is. Try and find out what you can do absolutely better than anyone else and then paying everyone else to do the stuff that you, they can do just as good as you. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I find a lot of people focusing on their weaknesses. I've never focused on a weakness in my life. As the old saying goes, if you do, you end up with a really strong weakness. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would say identifying what you're brilliant at. Um, and then I think the trick is always how to monetize it, how to actually yeah. take it from a passion and a talent and a gift to actually a moneymaker. 
That's usually, sadly, the transition where people fail. That is absolutely amazing. We are coming up against our first break. My very uh, special guest this week is Steve Sims. He is the author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, which is an incredible book. And uh, we will talk about some of the adventures and some of the stories that he has uh, in his company. We'll also talk about the book at length. We want to talk about the art of making things happen and uh, how you have to believe in yourself. I want to ask him how you manage your mental state. I want to ask him about some tips for getting what you want. And we'll discuss all of this and so much more when we come back from a break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Are you stressed out? Because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money-back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Sims. He is the author of the book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Incredible book. You've got to get this book. It's really, really fantastic. It is the book that I will read more than once. I finished it 10 days ago, and it's an excellent read, and you can apply a lot of things to get what you want. We will talk about the art of getting what you want as the show evolves. But the first thing I want to ask, uh, Steve, is that you said in the book that you don't carry business cards. I want to ask you why. Um. Well, you know, no one really cares about business cards, and I don't want—I don't want to not be in control of who I contact. So, if someone comes up to me and they go, "Oh, give me your card," I can very openly turn around and go, "I don't have business cards, but hey, what's your text number or what's your email address?" And then you can send them, tuned more specifically to them, a way of introduction. So, let's say, for I'm sake, you're you're at a, a motor event, and you're both talking about yellow cars and he asks for your business card 
you take his email. Then when you email out, you can say, hey, Brian, it was great to chat with you yesterday. Love chatting about the yellow cars. By the way, I found this great article on yellow cars. Stay in contact, all the best, and there's all your contact details. But it's been far more tuned to the start of a relationship because you show you cared about the conversation. You're in more control. Oh, I love that. And I've heard other people say they don't carry business cards either because you think about this. Do do rock stars like Paul McCartney carry business cards? No, they do not. If they want you to remember them, they might give you a, a CD or something. But I love the fact that you are using the idea of not having a business card to exercise control over future interactions. I think that is absolutely brilliant. So let's go ahead now and talk about blue fishing, the art of making things happen. What was your inspiration for writing the book? Oh, well, we've been around for 20-odd years, um, most of them odd. Um, and a lot of times people have asked me to write a book, and I've done loads of TV and media and articles on the world of luxury, the most expensive apartment and the fastest car. Something happened in 2007 where people were asking me to talk, and for the first time ever saying, hey, we know you did this with the Vatican. We don't want you to talk about it. We want to talk about the mindset it takes to do those things. So I ended up starting to do a lot of speeches in like colleges, universities, Harvard, Stanford, these kind of places, entrepreneurial events like mastermind talks and genius networks. And then I was asked, why don't you do a book with all of your tips, all your secret sauce of how you do things? What's going on in your head? How do you market? How do you communicate? How do you brand? And for the first time, Having three kids myself, I wanted to be able to put something in writing that's actionable. That's why it's called the art of making things happen. It's not called sit on your ass and it'll come to you. We want to give you very easy, actionable ideas, not a woohoo floozy book, on something that you can do that's primitive and simple that can actually make a great impact. I just felt it was time and I was required. Yeah. It was time, and it's it's a great message. So let's talk about the art of making things happen. It seems like it starts with a belief that all things are possible, right? Um, yeah, or the, just to fail to see that anything's impossible. The old saying is impossible until someone does it. Right, right. I, think I love a lot that. Of people, I think a lot of people are just scared of scare itself. You know, they look at something, they go, and you hear it all the time. You go, people turn around, they go, oh, I wish I could do that, but I can't. Oh, that's for them. Oh, that's how the other half... They, they kind of answer their own dream with a negativity before you've had any chance to say anything. Yeah, and, and people do limit themselves for sure. Uh, so how, how do you manage your, your mental state? Uh, again, this comes back from being uh, an ignorant, uneducated bricklayer. I never had the, uh, I never had the benefit of being told what was out there. So every time I saw something, like a little baby looking at it, you just stare at it and you go, oh, I want that. And you haven't built up this kind of, oh, no, you can't. Oh, no, that's not allowed. Oh, no, you shouldn't. I just was so ignorant to it. I'd be like, well, why can't I get in there? And I would just walk up and walk in. And people would be like, how did you get in there? Well, it was really hard. I walked through the front door, you know? (laughs) So many people dilute and are scared. You watch this. People walk up to a high-end store, and people are walking through the front door, yet there's a big lineup on the right-hand side. Watch the people that naturally decide whether or not they're the people that, A, should walk through the front door, or B, 
should stand in line. Yeah. And it's always, I actually stand some places and watch this natural selection of who thinks they deserve to be in line and who thinks they deserve to just walk through the front door. Absolutely. We talked earlier about how you required a password to get into the club. There's a greater personal development uh, principle at stake here too, a password for every door, meaning that there is actually a solution for everything. How did you make that discovery for yourself? Fell into it. I just really, I really just thought to myself, it's a, you've got to position the ask. There's, there's a way of getting in, you know, there's a door, you know, people are inside. You just got to find out how to get in there. And so the only issue was not, can I get in was how do I get in? So that's really what it came down to. And I then discovered through trial and error and falling over and failing that it was all to do with positioning the ask, never go up to someone and say, Hey, can I have that? Because the obvious answer is just to say no. So you go up to someone and say, hey, I'd really like that. Can I have it in blue or can I have it in yellow? And just ask a question where they're given a choice that you like. Um, so I always say to people, never go in and ask a question in which they can answer the, answer the question with a no unless no is the answer you want. Right, exactly. So what are some tips for getting what you want? I know you outline a number of things in the book. I like to go up to people and offer them options and make sure that both of the options are what I like. So, you know, I may go up to someone like we took over the academia in Florence for a dinner party and had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade the clients. In a situation like that, if you find up a museum and say, hey, can I have a dinner party on Tuesday night? They're going to say no. If you say, hey, have you ever done this before? They're going to say no. These are answers you don't want. So you contact them and you go, hey, I want to do something that's absolutely groundbreaking. Uh, If you've got a second, I want to tell you what it is. What I need to understand is what are the steps I need to take to make this happen? And you you talk to them in that kind of manner that does two things. One, it explains the dream, the passion, the goal. Two, gets them on board. What are the steps I need to take? What do I need to do? Direct me. Help me do this. Once they've started doing it, (coughs) excuse me, then you Mm -hmm. can go back to them and go, hey, has this ever been done before? you want to know them and they go no it hasn't and that's when you go fantastic we're not doing a dinner party we're making history yeah so when you were approaching andre bocelli's people about having him sing for your guests on tuesday night was that once you laid it out like that was it pretty much a no-brainer for them or was there some drama around that ask (laughs) so the the position i just gave you was how i got the academia when I tried to get Andrea Bocelli's people, I actually phoned up their agent and I got and I was given a phone number for their people, but I got through to their agent. I hate agents. Agents are there to say no or charge you four times more than what you've offered. That's the job of an agent. And I know agents are screaming at me now, but I live in Hollywood, so I know exactly what they're like. Um, when I spoke to this agent and said, hi, in 48 hours, because literally I only had two days, I want Andrea Bocelli to come and serenade my clients. This woman on the phone said, certainly, I'll come back to you and hung up on me. Now, funny enough, she hadn't taken my name and she hadn't taken my phone number. So I didn't expect to hear from her again. I actually contacted people that I was working with at the Vatican. And I asked them, have they ever worked with Andrea Bocelli's people before? And they said, yes. And I said, well, do me a favor. Make a phone call. Tell them that I wanna, uh, what I want to do. Tell them I'm real and make an introduction. And they did. 
And therefore, Bocelli's people did it based on the power of the introduction that they got. So I'm a great believer in feel very comfortable, as long as it's a confident relationship, in using the relationships you've had, you have to push your credibility forward. Did the agent ever find out about this? Oh, hell yeah. The agent did. And funny enough, the agent was fired. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think anything to do with me. But uh, yeah, the agent wasn't around for long. But then funny enough, once it happens, the agent's phoning up going, oh, I'm glad that came off. We asked, but hey, we should be doing more together. And you're like, shut up. So it's funny. They do that. That's really interesting. We've got about three minutes to our next break. You do talk about asking three times. A lot of people will take the first no and think, oh, I guess this can't be done. Do you ask the same way all three times? Do you ask a different way three times? Or is it just the consistency of asking more than once? It's, uh, I will put a different tone in it. Um, I, may, I may ask differently, second and third. But I always feel when you ask someone, someone something, they always give you the answer they feel as though you want to hear. Mm. And it's very rarely the truthful, deep answer. So then you can turn around and go, oh, why is that? And then it kind of like, and they go, oh, uh, uh, some, of those, some of those layers come down the second ask. And then the third time you can go, really? Define that for me. You know, just get a question going that gets them deeper you ask, you ask the same, you ask why three times, you can actually get down to the root of most problems. You give up first or second, you're on shallow territory. Yeah, that is fantastic. Another thing that you do say in the book is don't be easy to understand, but be impossible to be misunderstood. Uh, yeah. Or, did I get diff- that right? No. There's oh. a diff- sorry. There's a difference between being impossible to understand and um, – Sorry, being possible to answer, you confuse me. There's a difference between being easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, there's a word going around I hate, authenticity. Yeah. You hate it. I love transparency. So I want to be completely open and completely transparent. You know who I am, what I want, what I sound like, and what I'm going to do for you. I don't want there to be any doubt ever in a relationship or a conversation we have. Yeah, that's fantastic. We are coming up against our next break. I can't believe how quickly this is going. We are talking to Steve Sims. He is the author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. You've got to get this book if you have not read it yet. It just came out two weeks ago, and it is selling very, very well. Where can we get that? It's on Amazon, right? Amazon, uh, stevedsims.com, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all the usual suspects, Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Fantastic. That is great. And we will come right back after the break. And I want to ask him how he builds and nurtures relationships with high-profile people. And uh, Elton John is my favorite artist, and he is once again going to be helping promote his Oscar party to benefit the Elton John AIDS Foundation. So we'll talk about that because I can't wait to find out how he met Elton John. We'll come right back after the break. Please stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? 
Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.brianckwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brianckwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Steve Sims. He's the author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Go to Amazon and get that book. I want to ask you about how experiences are more memorable than cash. When people give gifts to, to, to other people, they give things or they give money because they don't know what to give someone. And I will be very honest. I sometimes default to the gift card thing because I don't always know what to get somebody. But you talk about providing an experience and how that's way more memorable than something is. Talk about that. Well, you can't park it on a shelf, sell it, or get rid of it on eBay. If right. you can give, if you give someone a thousand dollars, let's say for my sake, you walk up to someone on the street and you go, here's a thousand dollars. Okay. They're going to thank you. They're going to be over the moon. You're going to get a beautiful big hug and they're going to go off and they're going to pay the rent. They're going to pay the car payment. They're going to pay down their school bills. They're going to pay the gas, the electric. Nine times out of ten, most people will pay a bill with that money, okay? Even if they don't pay a bill and they decide to go to Spain for the weekend, okay? That's Mm -hmm. great. But you weren't the direct person that planned the trip. They were. They utilized your money. So that's gone. Money does not last long. Yet if you turned around and you said to someone, hey, um, you're working really hard at the moment. Bugger off on Friday. I booked one of my favorite restaurants, the meals on me, and I got you two tickets to a theater show. Then all of a sudden they're like, wow. They can't put a price on it. They know that, you know, maybe it's a couple of hundred dollars. No one cares. But then weeks later, years later, they will remember that you thought enough to create that experience. You know, you send uh, send your kids to um, send um, your uh, vendors kids to a ball game or something. You'll get a couple of tickets to a concert. Just something that out of the blue is experiential. There's a lot of power in actually giving someone an experience and a memory over the money because the money does not last. Absolutely. I, that's absolutely perfectly true. I remember uh, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, um, my best friend was having a birthday and I wanted to create something memorable. I realized that he preferred 
to experience something than to have something. So I took him to Vegas for his birthday. Now, Vegas is only a one-hour flight from Phoenix. So, uh, yeah, we both will never forget that weekend. It was really fantastic. So let me ask you, how do you build and nurture relationships with high-profile people? Because your brand does cater to the high-end client. How do you How do you build those relationships? I don't think I've ever built a relationship to a high-profile person or a famous person or a celebrity. The first thing you've got to do is realize that you're building a relationship with the person. Ah, yes. Second, you try building a relationship with a celebrity or an icon or a famous person, you've already stuck them on that first pedestal. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you push them away from you. Why, why push things away from you that you're trying to get close to? So what you're trying to do is you're trying to nurture a relationship with a person. That person has interests. <clears throat> try and find out what those interests are. Try and be in an environment that they like, that they're, they're there to celebrate their passion or interest in something. Just by accident, be stood next to them at this place and go, hey, I like that. Well, what's your view on it? Show that you're interested in their opinion on something. And, yeah. and understand that this, this, is a, this is a seed. And like a 300-year-old oak tree, it started off as a very, very fragile little seed. It needed planting. It needed pruning, feeding, um, watering. It needed care and attention before it became the solid 300-year-old oak tree, which is hopefully where your relationship is going to be after a year or two, nurturing and growing that relationship. Yeah, that's great. And you do talk in the book about how if you can find out what causes or charities they're very passionate about, that is a way to meet someone and work with someone, right? Yeah, if you want to get hold of someone that is in the spotlight, whether it be a business icon or someone famous on TV, whatever, then yeah, go and find out what they're involved in, what causes they are, and go through that route. Again, the agents are there to take money. Causes are there to take money for charity. So when you go to an agent, an agent won't work very hard for you. When you go to a charity and go, hey, I'd like to make a donation because I'd like to talk to so-and-so, they will work hard for you because they get all of the money. Oh, that is so golden. I love that. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you creatively reach out to people then? Um, and there's the key word, creatively. Um, I never send them emails. I send them something. You know, how many fingers did it take to delete an email? One. How many fingers did it take to open up an envelope? All of them. Yes. So send something to someone, you know, send them blue fishing. There's a plug. Um, yes. But if you're trying to get hold of someone, literally find out what they're interested in and then subscribe them to the magazine of that of that industry or of that uh, um, that theme. Uh, send them a book and send it in um, some kind of Snoopy um, birthday wrapping and paper or something. Do something that has them looking away from the computer and has their hands opening up something that will make them smile glee and have an interest and put your request in there. Open up the book and in the inside of the book say, hey, Roger, I realize I did some checking. I realized you liked uh, barbecuing. Enjoy the book. By the way, my name's Brian. I want to talk to you about X. I'd appreciate it if you could reach out to me. There's your call to action. But do something that shows that you care and you paid attention. Absolutely. And one other thing that you do talk about in your book is sending a video to them through text. I've started doing this on Facebook, sending videos to people that I haven't connected with yet. (laughs) And I get so many amazing compliments about that. Thank you so much for doing that video. That was actually really cool. And now they've heard you and they've seen you and they sense your true energy, which is really hard to do when you're just looking at someone and what they wrote. 
Well, we've got <laughs> we've got all of these uh, uh, platforms of communication out there today, and they're all tripe. They're all rubbish mm-hmm. because you put something on Twitter or you send someone a direct message or a Facebook post or a text, understood that it can be read in the worst possible way. If someone's having a bad mood and you send them a text going, beer tonight, 7 o'clock, they're going to look at that and go, well, you're bloody demanding. No, I don't want to go and have a beer with you tonight. But yeah. if you pick up the, uh, the smartphone and you video yourself and you go, Brian, we haven't spoken for ages. Beer tonight, 7 o'clock, yeah? And then you video text that to someone – they get to see your energy. They get to see the light in your eyes. They get to see the environment, the tone, the passion. All of those things can't be confused because they're blatantly there on the video. Here's another thing. You pick up your smartphone in the morning. You've got 4,000 emails. You've got 10 texts. What do you answer first? It's always the text. And yes. if you want as a video, then the front of your phone has got that alert. And there's a little picture of you in the garage with your face back going, hey, you know. It's much more impactful, and people people love it. I always try. And if you remember, and if these people have to rewind back in the um, – uh, if you have to rewind this podcast, do you remember at the beginning I said, don't get the business card. Ask them for a text. Do you remember? Yes. Yeah, because bingo, if you can get that text number or that email, always go for that text number first. You can do that video and go, Brian, loved me up with you last night. Call us hell. Love your opinions on yellow daffodils. Hey, we should chat next Tuesday. You know, yeah. that, you're in control and you're, you're giving them all the – you're now communicating. You're now showing way more of you than a text will. Yeah, because sometimes when I go to events and I get a bunch of business cards, I get home and I look through the business cards and honestly, I don't remember who all of them are. And then I think it's my fault. You know, because it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember who this person is. But, boy, you cannot miss it. I mean, you, for someone like you especially, I cannot mis, misremember who you are if you sent me a video on text. It's like, oh, that guy. Love well, here's this guy. the thing. And here's the point, And you just laid it there. It's not your fault that you can't remember the person. And this is, I know I'm going to get some people hating on this statement. Yeah. It's their fault. They should be more engaging. They should be more interesting that they will become memorable. If you go home with 10 business cards because you met 10 suits at a party, mm-hmm. then it's because you met 10 boring suits. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate the, the validation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's something I've been dying to ask you for weeks ever since we've set this up. Uh, in fact, last year when we uh, talked on Facebook, you mentioned that you uh, could get somebody into Elton John's Oscar party. And... Yeah. I wanted to ask you how you met Elton John because he is my favorite artist and I just, I think he's a genius. He's brilliant in so many ways. Yep. No argument there. He's one of those guys that has transcended any genre, uh, any genre in any age, um, whether you're 16 or 60, everyone knows Elton John. Um, so Elton runs, there were a lot of events I did throughout the uh, career of Bluefish that were very, um, very monetary um, some of the big award shows, some of the big racing events. And then I met up with the Elton John AIDS Foundation and they throw the greatest star-studded Oscar party every single year. It's a kick-ass party. It is phenomenal and it's all for charity. And mm. it's just such an amazing event. For many years I promoted it and then 
I think it was like about five years ago, I was like, I want to do more than promote this. I want to be part of this event. I actually want to be iconically involved every single bloody year. So we are. I actually went up to New York, met up with the crowd, spoke to them, and they went, okay, I think they were a bit, I think they were a bit concerned at first. I'll be blunt, and I think Scott, Scott Campbell's a phenomenal gentleman behind it. Um, I think maybe he was a bit, uh, a bit uh, cautious at first, um, as he should be. But uh, I like the relationship we have now. I'm proud to be part of this. I don't see us not being part of it. For, I don't see us not being part of it. Why wouldn't I, you know? Unless right. they find a cure for AIDS, then maybe, uh, maybe it won't happen anymore. But all the time there's a need. Um, I'm glad that they're there. I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm glad that Elton is around and just inspiring everyone and kicking ass and taking numbers. And I love the event. So I'm proud as punch that I'm involved. That is awesome. I want to ask because uh, you are a very brave and bold person. You carry that around you. I mean, there is just that whole aura of of courage. And so I want to ask, how do you develop that? Um, I think in the early stages, I didn't know what to be scared of. So okay. I came across as very confident, but it was really just not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, then as I got older... I got nervous. I will tell you now, I still get nervous. I'll be walking into the Vatican. I'll be walking, you know, up to Elton John at his party. I get nervous. I do get nervous. But then I just tell myself, why am I nervous? Um, Because who got me here? Where am I walking? You know, I'm the tip of the iceberg. I remember once, I remember once seeing um, Steven Tyler just about to get on the white carpet at Elton John's party. And I said something about, Oh, this is pretty cool getting on the white carpet, isn't it? And he turned around and he said, the trouble is everyone sees you walking down the red carpet. They don't see what it took for you to get to this. Oh, my gosh. That's so magical. And then he just wandered off. And I was like, holy God, Mike. It was just like this nugget. And then he walks off for the cameras. No one ever gets to see the hardship. Okay. Absolutely. And and that is so true. People think about overnight successes, but they don't realize how many years it took to get to that one overnight. So yep, brilliant, brilliant. The scars. Yep. Absolutely. We will come right back after our final break. I can't believe how quickly this is going. We are with Steve Sims. His book is called Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Get that book on Amazon. Also at stevedsims.com. We will be right back and down the structure come when we return. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. This is the Tokyo. 
Net Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's never you have probably heard about the Ring Video Doorbell app. It has a motion sensor that alerts your cell phone as someone is on your porch or rings a doorbell. All you have to do is tap your phone and you can see who is at your door and talk to them through a remote mounted camera and speaker. My husband thought this would be a good idea to have for our home. However, I had no idea he had installed it while I was out of town. Imagine how confizzled I felt when I returned home, went to unlock the door, and suddenly heard my husband's voice calling at me from seemingly nowhere. He had installed a camera and speaker high up in a tree next to our front porch. Talk about being surprised and confused. What's another word for being confused? Flabbertubles. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Steve Sims. He's the author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on stevedsims.com. Steve, I want to ask you, exclusivity is a huge part of your business. It's a part of your brand because you're doing something that is just for you. I love that. Tell us more about that. Uh, people, People like what they can't get. Yes. And so if it's a if it's a mass market item like a McDonald's or, you know, tickets to a to a massive concert, then then that's the easy stuff. They want that. They want that stuff that feels as though they discovered earned something. So that being able to get into a party that's only got 10, 10 tickets available or something exclusive. Uh, that's really where my little sweet spot is. I love that. I have to ask you, what is the chug test? You talk about this in your book. Oh, the chug test. This was one of those stupid things that became iconic. So I was having trouble because we were making a lot of money, but we were actually getting some really strange clients, and I was starting to feel very unhappy, and I couldn't work out what it was. And I remember thinking to myself, would I have a drink with any of these people? Now, I like a tipple of whiskey every now and then. And I thought to myself, no. So I thought to myself, well, surely I should be primitive and just go, if I don't want to, if I would not walk down the street and have a drink with them, Surely they shouldn't be in my life. So then I literally put that chug test together and I analyzed my entire circle, my friends, my clients, my employees, um, uh, my staff, my vendors, my accounting, my printer. And I literally went through all of them. And I went, would I, have a, would I have a whiskey with my printer? Would I have a whiskey with my attorney? Would I have a whiskey? And I, I cleared out. I did this harvest and I cleared out a ton of people and got people in that I actually would. And do you know what happens? Anyone would be thrilled to phone up 10 of their friends in the next half hour. Yeah. No one wants to phone up 10 people they don't like. Yes. So oh you my felt gosh. your yes. energy was different surrounding yourself with people that you would have a, you would chug a beer with. Absolutely. So to that end, I, I, it leads into my next question. I want to ask you, is it okay to be selfish? And the chug test is a true, a true test of that. I am selfish through and through. I constantly ask myself, is the juice worth the squeeze and what's in it for me? Yeah. And this isn't a dry run. 
You know, this is a simple fact of what's in it for me. Now, what's in it for me could be making me feel good. What's in it for me could be making sure that other person's smiling. But I ask myself every single time, and I'll tell you quite bluntly, I do not see being selfish as a negative thing. I think people should be selfish. The more selfish you are, the more committed to your growth, your benefit, your, uh, um, your strength of character, you find that question becoming what's in it for me being what can I get out of doing something good for you? What is the feeling I can get? All of a sudden you find that you're strong enough to help others. You can't help others if you're weak. Yes, that is absolutely true. I do want to ask in the building of any business, you, you encounter instances of adversity. I love asking people how they handle the dark moments and how long does it take you to get back on the horse again? Some people take days and weeks. Some people can get over their thing in just a matter of minutes. Where are you on that scale? Yeah, I'm pretty rapid. You know, I trip up and I get up straight away. My dad once told me no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. Oh, yes. Oh, that is awesome. That is brilliant. And yes, that is in the book, too. Get the book. I'm not going to stop plugging it. Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. This is great. So, Steve, we're coming closer to the end. We've still got a few minutes left, but I do like to ask people, what has surprised you about entrepreneurship? I think what surprised me is never – it's like a movie that never ends, Mm. Um, entrepreneurs never settle. So as soon as we find something's going well, we go off in a different tangent or try something new. So I think I discovered years ago that entrepreneurism means never kind of getting to the end of that journey. Yeah. I love that. It's a movie that never ends. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs that might be starting out right now and have no idea what's going to happen? No one does. Right. So if anyone tells you they got the answers, they're probably broke. So the fact that you're sitting there going, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Join the club. That's absolutely every entrepreneur most days of the week. Um, just let it go. If you think if you're stood there questioning what you know, what can I do that's different, impactful? Good. Just keep asking yourself that question. You will find it. Who are some of your greatest mentors that have helped you in your journey? Do you know, I know you want me to sit here and go Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Peter Diamandis, Joe Polish, but while those people are fantastic, mm-hmm. it's the bloke next door. It's the, it's the girl at the coffee shop. It's anyone that has an opinion. I have yeah. gained some of the greatest knowledge from some of the weirdest sources. I remember going to a party once in Beverly Hills, and uh, the valet guy was parking my car. We ended up getting into a chat while I was getting the ticket. And uh, the party had already started. I think I spent about 45 minutes with him because he had just such a perspective on different things. And I went into that party thinking I had more fun outside with the valet guy. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the answers to that question do surprise me. So that's that's why I love asking Uh, influential books that you've read. Some of the most meaningful books that you've been exposed to. Uh, I should read more. I like audio books, uh, but I try to read everything. I try to speak to people more than read books. Because of my position, I get to speak to a lot of people. A lot of people will read books because that's the only way to get their opinion. I'm fortunate enough that sometimes I can grab them in for a coffee and I can go, what the hell did you do that for? And get get the uh, first-hand opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Let's talk about vampires and how they just suck the life out of us. I know that this is a topic that you were really passionate about. 
Yeah, well, it stems off of the uh, the chug test. Uh, once I suddenly realized that I had to get people out of my life that I didn't uh, couldn't have a beer with, then I had to look at all the people in there that actually zapped my energy. And I realized that the worst people in your life, no matter how much money they're making for you or sending to your company or earning for your company, you'll be surprised that you change your character when you're talking to them. And then when you finish talking to them, you turn around to your wife, your kids, your boyfriend, you give off this negativity because that's all you've been getting for the past 10 minutes. And that other person's looking at you go, whoa, hang on, where'd that come from? Why are you talking to me like that? And then you have to go, oh, I'm sorry, I had a bad conversation. Well, the trouble is those people know you long enough to challenge you. If you're, in, if you're nurturing your relationship at the beginning, they're not going to challenge you. That relationship's gone. So I'm a great believer. Anyone that's zapping your energy is not positive, is not rah-rahing all the time, and is just giving you energy. Get them out of your life because they're doing the opposite. Absolutely. I love that. That's really great. So if you were starting over today right now, having your current body of knowledge, what would you do differently? What, if I met myself just starting? Yep. Do you know, I'd buy him a whiskey and just go, Steve, it's going to be okay because my greatest growth has come from my greatest problems. Mm, that's awesome. I wish more people looked at it like that. Some people look at the bad things that happen and go, okay, um, hmm, why did no, this happen no, to me? And then the they, never, they never settle that for themselves. Yeah, those are the ones that the, the greatest, greatest growth comes from that. You know, when, so when you fall over and you get up, you just learn how to get up. Yeah. I'm, I'm always sad for the people that have everything so smooth, they don't know the character they are. Yeah. What are you most proud of that's happened to you? Probably my wife. I met her when we were 16 and 17. So probably got to be my wife and then my kids. Oh, my goodness. So were you married when you went to Hong Kong or was that before yep. your wife? And No, we, we, we've been together forever. We went to the same school. So we've known each other forever, but we were married then. Oh, wow. So that adds an extra layer of, yeah. of urgency when <laughs> you lost your job after two days in a foreign country. Yep. <laughs> and a little bit of pressure for you. Absolutely. And, and did she, did she work? Did she have a skill set to take advantage of during that time? Or was it just you? Well, she was working at the same time as well. And of course I'm over in Hong Kong lying to her, telling her that everything's okay while trying to work out what the bloody hell I'm going to do. I didn't want her stressed. Oh, absolutely. My goodness. So let me ask you this. I mean, you've had a, a very full breadth of experiences and there's much more to come. What is the scariest thing you've done so far? Oh, I can answer that really easily have kids. Mm. I think I had someone else say that to me recently. It's terrifying. (laughs) What is the scariest part about that? Well, you're kind of looking at the world and uh, sometimes you don't like some of it. And you're thinking to yourself, you've got three little young ones looking up at you thinking that everyone rides around in capes and, you know, the world is safe and everyone's lovely. And sometimes you're looking at the news and realize it's not. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So here's the question that I ask everyone toward the end of the show, Steve, who inspires and motivates you? Probably got to be my wife. She's, uh, she's five foot four of absolutely scary. And every now and then when I get a little bit tired, she kind of like comes up and, uh, gives me a good old kick in the shins and says, right, stand up, man up, get on with it. And, uh, so she's, she's my rock. She's my everything. That is an awesome answer. I love that very much. So as we're winding down, we've got maybe two minutes to the end. What final thoughts would you like to impart to us? The book was called The Art of Making Things Happen because too many people think it's going to come to them. Stop expecting, stop demanding, just get up and do it. 
Yeah, that that is so key and so critical. I think a lot of people sit on the couch, you know, very much like the secret. I'm sure you're familiar with the secret. They 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 believe and they think they're manifesting and they're sitting on the couch and holding their yeah. arms out and they think that a bag of a million dollars is gonna blow through their roof and fall in their lap. No. I've, I don't know anyone that that has happened to. If you know anyone that that's happened to, please introduce me. I want to ask them how they did that. But that's not happening. Yeah, that doesn't happen. And not at least not in, not in the real world anyway. I certainly understand that. So how can we vibe with you and tribe with you? How can we find you? Well, I'm all over Instagram, Twitter, all the usual places. Steve D Sims. Uh, I'm at stevedsims.com, so you can sign up for the emails and hear my rants and watch my videos. I'm on YouTube under Steve D Sims, uh, Facebook, you know, all those kind of stuff. So I'm easy enough to find under that, uh, under those names. I absolutely love that. So I know you're promoting your book now. What big plans do you have going forward? Well, just to keep doing, uh, the right podcasts. I turn a lot of podcasts down actually, because they just, they're not my voice. They're not my tone. Yeah. Um, so I'm still doing some podcasts. I've got some traveling coming up, got some speaking gigs coming up. So there's a fair bit of activity. And then I've got a couple of countries to go to before Christmas. So uh, oh, wow. it's going to be busy. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you, Steve, for being here. It was an honor and a privilege to have you. And we'll do this again someday. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. You're welcome. Get the book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Go to Amazon. Go to stevedsims.com. And please return next week, everyone listening, Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview world-class successes and learn how they achieved, how they did what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons that we can learn as a result. Please come back next Monday. Until then, have a wonderful week. See you soon. Take care. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Goodbye, everyone. for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to